What did the peppermint say to the tardy cocoa? What? Better chocolate than never. <laughs> Itch manners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dog. Hello, dear. How are you? Well. That was a good joke. That was not a good joke. It was a good joke. <laughs> chocolate. Did... Better chocolate than never. Cho- chocolate. But nobody but says no, but chocolate. I'm... No, but of course they don't say it. That's why it's the joke. The joke says chocolate. Better chocolate than never. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because because you're right. Normally, normally <laughs> you'd say chocolate, right? Chocolate. But for the purpose of this joke, the peppermint, who normally peppermints don't talk either, and that doesn't bother you, it seems. <laughs> but the peppermint says, better chocolate than never. All Do you right. See? Because it's like um, kind of a, it's kind of like my take on a joke. It's kind of like yeah. a mm-hmm. uh, play on words, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, chocolate. Okay. Better chocolate than never. I'll give it to you that it was punny. Yeah. I mean, that's the best I can hope for, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to our Halloween special. Or should I say spooky holiday special? Spooky holiday. Uh, I mean, really just uh, how about sugar ha- holiday? <laughs> do we do? On, on Samhain, is there candy? Is that a thing with Samhain? I don't know enough about Samhain. Next year, we're going to have to do a whole Samhain episode. I think so. I think okay. you're right. So we're going to call this the candy hol- the candy holiday. Yes, because this is the thing, folks. Chocolate, which we are talking about today, mm-hmm. could apply to a wide array of events. I mean, Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, the, the winter holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's chocolate. All of those. Um, Easter. Mm-hmm. Right. Chocolate uh, bunnies. There's cho- But when I think of Halloween... There's two things that come to mind. Costumes and trick-or-treat. And the first one's trick-or-treat. And I don't I don't know about you folks at home. And I don't even know about you folk here in, <laughs> in this room with me. But when I used to trick-or-treat as a kid, uh, the two things I prized most was like anything chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was also a big fan of bubblegum. Really? Yeah, but chocolate was top of the list, and then bubblegum. Okay, let's let's have a little let's have a candy rating scale. Okay. Uh, what is the your least favorite Halloween trick or treat style candy? I mean, it's it's the the. Here's the thing: I've talked a lot about like Bitto Honey mm-hmm. and like Sugar Daddies and Mary Janes as and Mary well. Mary Jane, anything that's like pull your fillings out caramel and that's its whole deal mm. not a fan of okay. i don't like having my teeth stuck together even though i just said i like bubble gum <laughs> but that's different because that's a battle between your teeth and the gum <laughs> that you might win as opposed to like those caramel candies where it's like oh no you're gonna lose you're all right your feelings my, my favorite halloween candy mm-hmm. um i mean it's obviously chocolate like i thought no, I, like your your favorite like if you were looking through the bag yeah. And someone was like, well, you only get to keep one. Which piece of candy do I you think keep? Twix. 
Twix. Okay. Twix, I like. There's a lot of good uh, consistencies in there. A lot of good texture. I enjoy a Snickers. Mm-hmm. I enjoy dark chocolate Milky Way. Okay. Uh, but I, I think the Twix. Otherwise known as Milky Way Midnight. Sure. But I enjoy the Twix because of its uh, its mouthfeel. Mm. <laughs> what about you? Um. So, I this has n- like, okay. Oh, my cereal. My least favorite is the like peanut butter taffies. Oh yeah, the ones in the black in the and black orange. and orange little like twisty ups. Yeah. yeah, they're the worst. Blech. My favorite is the specifically. I like the treat size. Milky Way Midnight's, the ones that are just the square. Uh-uh. And you can open it and pop the whole thing in your mouth. Oh, I also enjoy Reese's Chocolate Pumpkin, or really, like any of the Reese's. Reese's Cups are pretty good. I enjoy it. Whatever that strange varietal of peanut butter that, like, is never a peanut butter you'd put on a sandwich, but right. it's perfect in chocolate, that's great. Yeah, that's good, too. Okay, so we're talking about chocolate. Now I oh, know. you know what else? Did you, have you tried these new, they're not super new, but the zombie Skittles? I have not. So here's the deal, right? So in the Skittle pack, and you know it's a zombie Skittle because of the gray package, Mm -hmm. there are like 10 Skittles, one of which is a bad flavor. No, thank you. I don't like, why would I want candy that punishes me? I know, right? This is the thing. I grew up doing. And you have no way of knowing which one it is because it's the same color as all the regular flavors. Are there still the like atomic warheads and like sour blasters or whatever? Yeah. I enjoyed those when I was a kid, but now as an adult, the idea of like, hey, do you want a treat that also hurts your mouth (laughs) and cuts up your tongue? And you're, no, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're into that, that's great. That's fine. It's not my bag. Not my bag either. Okay. So chocolate, I know, is old. I chocolate. know old, chocolate is old. I know chocolate is old. Surely been is. been doing it in like, the Mayans were doing it forever ago, right? Even before that. <gasps> so the Olmecs of Southern Mexico and, you know, the great Mayan empire, like you said, yes. um, have been uh, processing and drinking chocolate Probably as far back as 1500 BCE. Now, but I also know this. It wasn't like sweet chocolate. No. This was like no sugar added. This was like bitter, bitter. So probably I'm just betting more like coffee, right? Where it was like bitter. Uh, I mean. I don't. Can I just say? I do not like the connotation of the word bitter. Mm-hmm. I enjoy. Like I drink my coffee black, right? Yeah. I like. I, I do not like that bitter is both a flavor and like a kind of bad state of being okay because i feel like when you say something's bitter it makes it sound like it tastes bad like if i'm mm-hmm. saying well that coffee is bitter people will be like oh then i don't want to consume it like no but like in a good it's bitter in a good way i don't like i can de- really i definitely sweet. see the 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 point there i mean because dark chocolate is my favorite the right. darker the better yeah I mean, okay, not the darker the better. No, you I, wouldn't do like 100%. No, I... But 72. 72 is the sweet spot. Anyway, um, so it was definitely savory. It was not sweetened. Yeah. But the roasting process, a lot like coffee beans, did bring out different subtler flavors in it. But it was mixed with water, um, sometimes like super frothy, mm-hmm. but... It was it was not the hot chocolate we know of today, um, but the the best part about the actual dating of the chocolate is um, that the 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 beans of the cocoa pod 
mm-hmm. um, have to be roasted and dried. Much like coffee. Much like coffee. Um, and there is a substance called theobromine. Okay. Which is the stimulant compound found in chocolate like and tea. Caffeine. A sort of. Close. Okay. Close. But it leaves a trace, leaves a residue. So unlike a lot of other things where we're like, uh, probably happened around this time, there have been like pots and processing like places. Like carbon date. You can but... actually date it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. And it's old. Yes. Um, as long ago as 1500 BCE. Okay. That's long before I was born. I was yes. not around then. <laughs> not at all. Not even close. Just <laughs> missed it. Okay. So here's where we get in kind of the like socioeconomic um, strata of chocolate. Okay. Um, so the Olmecs reserved cacao for sacred ceremonies. Um, and that makes sense though, if you think about it, because it was like a process to make yeah, it, right? It was not easy. Have, they didn't have like the machinery to do it. So you're roasting and doing all this by hand. Exactly. Right? In a similar way, the Aztecs and Mayans believed that cacao was sacred. Um, and it's even rumored uh-huh. um, that Go on. Aztecs spill that tea. Aztecs would give this type of cacao drink to those being, um, let's say, the center of their religious activity. Being given to the gods. Yes. There you go. Indeed. Um, it was also considered. Why, can, why, why aren't we saying sacrificed? By the way, just because it's know. unpleasant. It's unpleasant. <laughs> okay. Um, I think people got it without saying. No, I think they got it too. I just wasn't sure why we were dancing around. You know what I mean? Give it wink, wink. It, it's unpleasant. Okay. Anyway, uh, it was given medicinal properties. So uh, not only the beans, but also the flowers were used to cure fatigue. Um, and is that true though? I mean, not true, of? but like. Well, there may be a little bit of truth to it. Um. So in Ayurvedic medicine, uh, which is one of the oldest medicinal practices in the world, um, the cacao bean is used. Uh, Raw cacao is rich in antioxidants um, and compounds that actually have been linked to improved mood and memory while reducing stress. Okay. So it may not be like medicine, medicine, but it might be good for you. I feel like this is a thing, though, forever, is like every year there's a new study and it's red wine and chocolate. (laughs) And it's either like, it turns out it's good for you. Oh, no, wait, bad for you. No, oh, hold on. Might be good for you. It's like, all right, you know what? It makes me happy when I consume both of those, especially if I consume both of them together. So get off my back, (laughs) science. Uh, I think that the important thing to remember about cacao is that it is um, the actual cacao that has the benefits and not like the sugar processed chocolate candy. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Okay. Eating a Snickers isn't going to make you live longer. (laughs) No, it's not. Okay. Um, So then we, we know that chocolate is mostly like a South Central America's type deal. It did eventually make it back to Europe where the craze really took took hold, especially in Spain. Well, that makes sense because I was thinking about climates, Mm -hmm. right? And like it is 
a fairly tropical, the cacao is a, like a tropical plant, right? So it makes sense that it would grow well in Spain where the climate is a little more, you know, tropical. Tem- temperate. Yeah, yeah temperate. warmer. Not, not quite as cold as what I think of as, as most of Europe. I think of most of Europe as pretty much um, foggy all the time. Really? Yeah. Just a little bit moist. <laughs> all of Europe. Hey, uh, to all of our European listeners, I'm so, so sorry that I just said all of that. Um, but the thing is, like a lot of, quote, new world produce, the Spaniards were kind of like, when it first came to chocolate, the same way they were with, like, corn, right? Yeah. Um, but... Uh, one incredible story is that a particular explorer in in the Central Americas was offered the drink several times and refused every time saying it was a drink fit for pigs. Mm. And he finally took some because he ran out of wine. Ah, that old <laughs> chestnut. Yeah, he loved it. So by the late 1500s, it was- I do like, though, how that oh. in kind of that little story encapsulates like- uh, like that person thinking they're better than yeah. the people that they are invading mm-hmm. and pillaging, and mm-hmm. then being like, "Oh no, wait, actually, this is very good." And so now I'm going to steal it. From That's you. right. It's like potatoes for the French. Yes. Um. So by the 1500s, it was pretty popular. Um. It was indulged in by the court, and uh, the whole country began importing chocolate in 1585. Um. Other European countries, Italy, France, you know, uh, went to Central America and learned about cacao and brought it back. Uh, And each created really their own sort of style enjoying that bean. Um, So the high demand for chocolate created a... um, a less than savory work environment. Mm. Um, Enslaved people were often uh, made to make the chocolate. Um, and it was considered part of the, the kind of enslavement cycle because also in this time were, um, the molasses making and the sugar plantations and all that kind of stuff. Um, so even though this chocolate feeds into the history of enslavement, um, it's not like the central player. Yeah. And it's important nowadays that if you if you can afford it, that you find fair trade, fair trade chocolate, um, and which, fair trade coffee, fair, fair trade, trade coffee, anything you can get, because we want to support people for their labor. Anyway, um, so this is when the the European palate took hold of and the chocolate, sweetened it up. Yeah, cane sugar, cinnamon, spices, vanilla, all that stuff um, was added, but it was still pretty hard to like make it. Yeah, right, right. Um, until Dutch process cocoa ah, comes the around. Dutch. The Dutch. Ah, the Dutch. Eighteen twenty-eight. A Dutch chemist named <clears throat> you can do it, Conrad. Jan, uh, Johan van Houten. Okay. Sure. 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 Um, he discovered a way to treat cacao beans with alkaline salts to make a powdered chocolate that was easier to mix with water. Okay. Ta-da. And that gave us like powdered hot chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he also invented a machine that separated cocoa butter from the cacao beans uh, that was 
practically inexpensive and made that powdery substance that you could put in things. This process became known as Dutch processing or Dutch cocoa. See, unprocessed, the chocolate is not chocolate. It's cacao. Cacao. And then processed, it becomes cocoa. Well, because then we get the cocoa butter and the cocoa solids, right? Exactly. And cocoa exactly. butter is what's used for white chocolate. Mm-hmm. Well, right. a chocolate, regular chocolate does contain uh, amounts of cocoa butter. Right. But only cocoa butter is in white chocolate. Right. There's no cocoa solids in white chocolate. Right. Right. Um, okay. So... For much of the 19th century, chocolate was still being enjoyed as a beverage, right? So it was like added to milk or water or even put in wine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, because it was the powder, right? You put it in your oh, drink. I, I could get down with that. Yeah, I think so. I would not be above a chocolate wine. I think, haven't we? Well, we've had chocolate flavored beer. This is correct. Does that actually have chocolate in it? In the beer? Yeah. Hmm. No, I mean, it was probably brewed with it during the brewing process, but it mm-hmm. wouldn't have solids in it. It would be filtered out, right? Yeah, after, with the with the wort. Yes. Okay. Sure. Right. Anyway. Um, so in walks British chocolatier J.S. Fry and Sons. Oh. And they are credited with making the first chocolate bar ever. But I don't recognize that name. I want it to be like Mars or Nestle or something. A name I recognize. Well, I mean, that's coming. Hershey. It's coming. It's coming. This chocolate bar was made from sugar, chocolate liquor, and uh, cocoa butter. Okay. It was still not the chocolate we know today. It was pretty hard. It wasn't very melty in your mouth. Uh, It kind of like... Almost exploded into a powder when you bought buy uh-huh. it. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and so here comes those names that uh-huh. you were that you were waiting for. Um, so uh, Daniel Peter, who was Swiss, he added dried milk powder to the chocolate, creating milk chocolate in 1876. Now, I feel like I know that now, name because that's what I think of when I think of chocolate like bunnies. Mm-hmm, Peter, right? Mm-hmm. I think is okay. And then several years later, he called up his friend Henry. And brought milk chocolate to the mass market. What do you think Henry's last name was? Oh, okay. You said it already. Mars? No. No. Nestle. Yeah. Okay. I figured it was Nestle, Hershey, Cadbury, or Mars. Right. Yeah. Those are those are the pretty big ones, right? Yeah. Um, and we're not gonna go really into Nestle. There's a whole corporate mm. corporate corporate uh, bummers. Yeah. With that. Be responsible, Nestle. Anyway. Um, this is also 1879 is where we get Lint, Rudolph uh, Lint making those delicious. L-I-N-D-T, not yes. L-I-N-T. Right, Lint. Lint has been around for a long time. <laughs> making those delicious gooey center truffles I mm-hmm, love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, by the late 19th century, we have those big ones that you talked about, Cadbury, Mars, Nestle, Hershey, all that stuff. Um, and... Here's the thing, right? Uh, a couple of countries had a little bit of a of a tiff, a chocolate war, if you will, about the ingredients that are required for chocolate. Okay. Um, 
Some of these ingredients caused British chocolate to be banned from much of the EU for three decades. Wow. I know, now, I will right? say, I, I, we, we have indulged many times in uh, British chocolate delicacies, by which I mean chocolate bars from the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are, I would say, a little different. Uh, I find yeah. them a little creamier. Mm. Uh, just They do, t- you can taste the difference. You can. Um, so, I mean, there are lots of places that you can get your chocolate. Um, I recommend that you go through slavefreechocolate.org. It has a really great list of ethical chocolate companies and resources on, you know, how to get your kicks from chocolate and also have a clear conscience. Yeah. And do the right thing. How about right. that? Okay. We're going to answer some of your questions about chocolate, but first... How about a thank you note for our sponsor? This week, we want to write a thank you note to Stitch Fix. Listen, if you are near, I guess, where I am in the world, the weather is turning colder and it's time to get your winter weather wardrobe in order um i have gotten some of my favorite like sweatshirts and sweater i have this great sweater that has like a blue bowl on it that i get compliments on every time i wear it and every time i say it's stitch fix because with stitch fix all the clothes are your style your budget and things you like, right? Because they have a personal stylist that works with you to get to know the kind of things you like. And you can also say like, I would never pay more than blank for this, right? And they keep that in mind when they pick stuff out for you. So if you go to stitchfix.com slash schmanners, you can set up your profile for looks personalized just for you. You pay a $20 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. You can schedule at any time. There's no subscription required. Plus, shipping, returns, and exchanges are easy and free. So get started today at stitchfix.com slash schmanners, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash schmanners for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. One more time, stitchfix.com slash schmanners. We also want to write a thank you note to Bombas. Bombas is dedicating to make the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've rethought every little detail of the socks we wear to make them way more comfortable. I love Bombas so much, I have paid to get Bombas socks. That is right. I I didn't just wait for them to give them to me. I love them so much. I've bought them. And some of their socks, you can get some that have the little like little rubbery pads on the bottom so you're not slip sliding around your home. I love it. Bombas also has other apparel. Oh, I yeah. am currently wearing a Bombas t-shirt oh, they're so and sweatpants. They're wonderful. Bombas also helps give back by donating a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 34 million pairs of socks and counting. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. So give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash schmanners. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Hi, are you someone who thinks that when one door closes, another one opens? Someone who always sees the light at the end of the tunnel. If you answered yes to one or both of these questions, good for you. We are not those people. Nope. I'm Annabelle Gerwich, and I'm a, you know that other door opening? It probably leads to a broom closet kind of person. And I'm Laura House. 
When I see a light at the end of a tunnel, I assume it's a train headed right toward me. Laura and I have created a brand new podcast for people like us. It's called Tiny Victories. We're sharing personal tiny victories or things we've read or seen that inspire resilience. So if you're looking for a tiny reason to get out of bed each week, subscribe to Tiny Victories. Available on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get tiny. We interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. Okay. We got some questions. All this right. is from Joe. Or maybe Johnny. I can't tell. <laughs> Fondue, how does that work? So uh, on our episode of Bake On, the Chocolate Week, um, Teresa and I do a podcast where we watch and discuss uh, the newest season of Great British Bake Off. We did some chocolate fondue in there. And here's the thing that you may not know. Because I felt silly looking it up, but I Googled like fondue recipe mm-hmm. because in my brain I was like, just melt some chocolate. That is that not it. That doesn't work, right? No. Because if you have melted chocolate, you have to keep it very hot right. in order to keep it melted. Right. So it would just, if you just melted like a candy bar in the microwave, it would be melty, but it would also be hot. And then as it would cool, it would become solid again. That's right. And so you have to add some like milk to it or cream or something so it's a little creamier. Uh, and with the recipe I used, it was dark chocolate and cream and like a little bit of sea salt. Mm-hmm. So it had like a salty element to it. It was very good. But then the nice thing about that is it still will cool in like the refrigerator. Right. So even if you don't use all of it, Right, I poured mine into like some pumpkin molds I had, so it mm-hmm. didn't go to waste. Uh, and then you can either melt it again or just eat it like chocolate bar. So, um, this the recipe that people use for chocolate fondue is often is very close to ganache, yeah. right? Which is just cream and chocolate. Um, and usually for chocolate fondue, obviously you try and serve it warm if you can. Um, and you just add a little more cream than you would for ganache that you would like put on a cake. There you go. And then you just dip things in it. You can dip bread in the chocolate. You can dip, uh, I don't know, fruit, marshmallows, yep. mm. all kinds of things. Um, let's see. This is from Winter. Can I give my friends chocolate boxes in a non-romantic way? How would I go about this? I think you'd have to pick a non-heart-shaped one. Exactly. Uh, and I think it would have to be for an occasion. Because that's the thing with giving chocolate boxes for romantic reasons. I, I I'm, Okay. I think that this is a, uh, I don't know if stigma is the right word. Sure. But like giving chocolate boxes for romantic reasons is like, I did this for no reason except I was thinking of you. Which is not a terrible thing to do for a friend. Mm-hmm. Except that that's not the precedent. I think that one of the things you can do... Um, like you said, make sure that it's not a, a heart-shaped box if that's not your intention. Uh, but also, you can buy, like, fun chocolate-coated things. One of my favorite things to give people, I love to give uh, Mike Sells and Esther Price, which is a which are both Ohio-based companies. They do a partnership where they dip potato chips in chocolate. It's 
Incredible. If it's you've never so had good. chocolate dipped potato chips, they're wonderful. It is so good. Uh, and that is a box of chocolates that I would give to anybody for any reason at any time. Also yeah. buy for myself. Um, this is from Matthew. Temper, not temper, when even do it and why. So tempering chocolate is that when you melt it, uh, you are melting it and cooling it in such a way that it has a really kind of glossy finish. You're rearranging the crystals of the of the whole thing, right? So it, it when a chocolate is out of temper, it looks kind of cloudy. Yeah. Right? But it, because it the crystals taste are the same. Yeah. And that's different from the bloom of a chocolate, yes. which uh, may make a chocolate taste a little chalkier. And yeah. that uh, has to do with the fats separating in the chocolate. If you ever see like old chocolate, like something's been sitting in your cabinet for a while or whatever, and then you open it and it looks like it has kind of like whitish or paler color, almost like snowflakes or flowers or something. And it also looks kind of dusty. Yeah, then it's bloomed. And that means that it's separated. And I don't know that you would like get poisoned from no, eating it. No, it just doesn't taste as good. Yeah. Um, but so temper is like if you're going to like use it, uh, you know, to dip something in or to like pour over a cake or baked goods or whatever, and you want a really glossy finish, uh, you can temper your chocolate. But I will say, as someone who like does a lot of home baking, if I'm just like making it for us to eat, I usually then just like pop it into the refrigerator to let it cool so we can <laughs> eat it faster. Right. Because again, it has to do with the crystals and it has to hit a certain temperature of uh, melting point and then it has to hit a certain temperature of cooling point. Before and cool it gets slow colder, enough. And you like, don't want to do it fast because then, yeah. It does. It changes the way that the chocolate looks. It doesn't change the way the chocolate tastes. Right. Um, so this is from at Not Your Memory. Is it true that in other countries, American chocolate has to be marked as chocolate-flavored candy because the cocoa content isn't high enough? Different um, different principalities have different measures of what they call chocolate and chocolate flavor, and it really just depends on what they've decided. You know, that's what I was talking about, about, like, the British candy in the EU. Um, and so... Here in the U.S., we do have distinction between chocolate and chocolate flavoring, chocolate flavored candies. Um, and wherever you go, that that nation also has theirs, you know? Um, Kelly asks, how bad is it really for dogs? So the thing about it is, is as like as we've been talking about different chocolate has different content for it. So like. You know, if your dog's eating white chocolate, it's not as bad as, like, super dark chocolate. Uh, depends on the size of the dog, how much they ate, all of that stuff. For some dogs, um, you know, it, it, it can be, like, super bad allergy or uh, it can be nothing, you know. It, it, the thing is, is it's just a really unpredictable reaction. Uh, but the answer is it's not good. It is not good for dogs. And whether that means, you know, your dog eats an M&M, are they going to be fine? Yeah, probably, right? It would take a lot more than that. But why why risk that? Now, here's what you can do because we have... So, Buttercup is a very good girl, .com. And <laughs> Lily... Lily? Uh, Lily is a goober. She is a goon. 
and she will eat anything she can reach. So she's a notorious counter surfer. Yeah, she, uh, because she is quite large. She's a fifty pound shepherd mix, um, and so she, fifty pounds maybe when we got her, since she's been eating uh, chocolate chip cookies <laughs> more like sixty pounds. Uh, so she can put her paws right up on the countertop and uh, get pretty much anything we leave out. And she does. She has a penchant. For chocolate chip cookies. She enjoys chocolate chip cookies. So we have had to induce vomiting a couple times. You can do it with hydrogen peroxide, like a cap full of hydrogen peroxide, uh, and get that right out of there. Um, but yeah. If- but like we said, she's over 50 pounds. So if she eats one chocolate chip cookie, she might just have a little bit of a of an uncomfortable poop. But the more that she ingests, the, the more imperative it is that we... Um, avoid her. Here's what I will say, because I don't want to make it sound like we are downplaying it. It is a risk for dogs, and it is bad. If your dog has ingested chocolate, you should contact a veterinarian. There are also calculators available online that tell you, um, according to how many grams of chocolate, uh, how large the dog is, um, and, you know, all of those calculators also say, now, if you have any problems with vomiting, diarrhea, lethargy, uh, swelling, um, any of those things, do contact your vet. Also, grapes are very bad for dogs. That's not a chocolate thing. It's just true. It's like high sugar content or something. This is from Anne. Is it more polite to eat figural chocolate from the feet or the head? Um, Hmm. I I usually start with head. Here's my thought. Okay. I want to put them out of their misery right away instead of them having to deal with me eating them from the bottom up, right? If someone was eating me, <laughs> right? If there was a giant eating me. You would me, want them to get it over with. Yeah, right? Because if they start on my feet, I'm still totally there for that, right? <laughs> and now I have to deal with it. If they go for my head first, it's done. Now it's just them eating me. Okay, here is the, quote, polite and proper way. Uh, it's You're supposed to break it off with your hands into small manageable pieces that you can put in your mouth. It doesn't really matter if you start with head or feet or whatever the figure is. You're supposed to break it apart and eat it that way. Um, but eat whatever, however you want. Like try start not the head. Try not to make a mess, I guess, or make a mess if that's what you like. Go for the head. Okay, this is from Catalina. Can you talk about ruby chocolate? I've seen it on Great British Bake Off, and I'm curious about it. Okay, so ruby chocolate um, is a new variety of chocolate that was introduced in 2017 uh, by a Belgian Swiss cocoa company. Um, a lot of it has to do with marketing, although it is a uh, it does have a natural pink color because it's like a, a different botanical kind of like chocolate bean, cacao bean. Um, and most people say it's reminiscent of kind of like a a berry mm-hmm. chocolate, kind of white chocolate and raspberries, most people describe it as. Um, and it's actually still debated whether or not it's really chocolate um, or if it's just a clever marketing strategy to capitalize on the millennial pink trend right okay along if you say real chocolate next question oh this is from blue the blee opinions on white chocolate is it really chocolate or is it just sneak by um so it doesn't contain cocoa solids it just contains cocoa butter and sugar and sugar lots of sugar so um here's the like is is it chocolate I don't <laughs> know. That's the question, yes. 
Well, it does contain some of the ingredients that are chocolate. Sure. But since it doesn't have any cocoa solids, it behaves totally different from Mm -hmm. other chocolates. It doesn't quite taste very much like chocolate. I maintain it's not chocolate. Okay. I am a sucker for branding, and it says chocolate right there in the name, so who am I to argue? One last question. This is from Dr. Brems. If there's a bowl of candies, chocolate candies, on a table, how many are you allowed to take? Uh, depends on the size. Um, so you can take, so if it's a full size, that's one. Okay, full size bar. Um, if you if it's like fun size, I would say two or three. What if it's like M&M's? If it's like M&M's, you can take however many fit in a handful. Okay. Hey, folks, if you put out a bowl of candy, put a little spoon or something in it. If it's m and if there's no wrapper on it, put a little spoon or something so people don't have to reach their hands in. That's gross. Okay. Well, I assumed that it was you and I sharing a bowl of candy. I mean, okay, but I'm saying like if you're at a party and there's just like some oh, candy yeah. on the table, put a spoon or something in. Yes. So you may take at a time as many as fit in whatever the scooping device may be. There should be a scooping device is what I'm saying. Uh, because, I mean, otherwise, if you're going to take two or three scoops, just we might as well just take the bowl, right? Right. <laughs> and hey, maybe just take the bowl. Okay, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. you have some etiquette. Some I actionable, do. actual, factual, snacksual etiquette. Oh, that one I did like. Yeah. Okay, so I would like to uh, entreat everyone to ha, entreat okay entreat everyone to buy a quality uh fair trade chocolate bar and really enjoy it use all your senses look at the bar you can rub it a little bit to Listen warm to the bar. it up um to to smell it it's usually smells quite delicious rub it on your skin <laughs> i guess if you if that's what you're into um and you know break off pieces Turn it into a, a full sensory experience. Um, if you let it melt on your tongue, it should slowly melt, and you know that it should have several flavors bloom across your palate, much like wine or whiskey or you know mm. other things. You can do a chocolate tasting the same way you do other things. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about chocolate box sharing. Okay. Um, don't be super picky about it. Uh, if the chocolate box has several layers in it, it is considered polite. The etiquette is to finish one layer before you remove the plastic and go for the next layer. Unless you're eating it all at home by yourself. Yes. And then go for it. And then go for it. If you are, if you are in public, not in public, if you are, you know, publicly sharing, yes. I suppose, yes. this this chocolate box, box old chocolates, you know, don't go digging through it. Also, take your wrappers out. Don't throw the wrapper back in the box. That's a mess. Um, and uh, sometimes somebody's going to take the chocolate you wanted. It's okay. That's fine. Maybe find a new chocolate that you didn't know you wanted. All chocolate is good chocolate. Okay. So... You know, in, enjoy your socialism in a box of chocolates. 
Okay, that's going to do it for us, folks. First and foremost, thank you, Alex. You really helped us out this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we couldn't do it without our researcher, Alex, so thank you so much. Also, uh, the McRoys have written a podcasting book. Can I include all McRoys there? Because uh, I think our dad did the foreword, and uh, Rachel and Teresa and Cindy did a chapter about research. And I mean, mostly me and my brothers wrote it. I mean, mostly me and Justin and Griffin wrote it. And it's very good. It'll teach you how to make a podcast you're proud of. And we put jokes in it. So you'll laugh <laughs> and learn and love. So uh, you can pre-order that now at themacroypodcastbook.com. It's called Everybody Has a Podcast Except You. Uh, also, book four of the Adventure Zone graphic novel series, uh, The Crystal Kingdom, is available for pre-order. You can go to theadventurezonecomic.com and pre-order that there. Go check out all the wonderful stuff at macroymerch.com. Thank you to Max Fun, our podcast home. Uh, who else do we thank, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentelfloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. You can reach us at SchmannersCast, and that's where we got all of these great questions. Um, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. You can join that if you would love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. Uh, we are still always taking topic suggestions at our email, g at schmannerscast at gmail.com. Also send in your idioms. We love doing those idiom episodes and we are specifically looking for some, you know, ones that maybe we had never heard of. So maybe non-US idioms. Non-US idioms. Love it. And that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.